Hello and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Seattle sports. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined as always by my co-host, John Carey. And we are here to talk to you today about the Mariners, specifically, you know, they've been going on a little hot streak, so we're here to just get you guys involved, get you understanding what's going on. Just, Just really trying to pump them up. To reverse jinx them for the 17th time this season. <laughs> um, and then we'll talk a little Seahawks. That second preseason game happened. Um, some news coming out of the wide receiver front. And then uh, we'll talk a little UW athletic director transitions because that's going to happen pretty soon with uh, Jen Cohen leaving for USC. Um, but first, let's get a little coyote picnic on, underway. Okay, John. Let's break it down. Mariners have just won. What is that? Zero in a row, actually. Well, zero in a row, but 16 of their last 20 games. 16 of 20. That is Two eight-game win streaks. And it should be noted that those two eight-game win streaks are separated by three losses in 10 innings and one loss that was given up in the ninth. So... um, yeah, been a good run. Yeah, been a good it's run been it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good ever since we declared them dead. Correct. Uh, yep. They they decided to come alive again. Yeah, and the streak's not only been amazing, but it's been incredibly timely. Um, the AL West has gotten very very interesting. Now, I don't want to toot my own horn. Um, you know, we don't have to focus on the fact that I I said all year that Texas that they're a bunch of frauds. <laughs> That the Rangers couldn't play ball, and here they come, crashing down to earth. You can't like even say this with a straight that face. the dinosaurs. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're frauds, and they're proving it right now. They're now a game and a half ahead of the Mariners, who are in third place. Astros, half a game ahead of us. Um, and, yeah, the skies are clear. Anything's possible. Yeah, I, I would agree. Anything's anything's possible. Um the eight-game win streak was also concurrent with a Rangers six-game losing streak, Oof. Uh, including three in a row to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Paul Sewald was was shouting us out there on Twitter, which was very nice to see that he's still rooting for us Love up in the P- Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah the the fact that the Rangers have kind of just crumbled uh, recently, I think, is part of the. I think their pitching has kind of just gotten a little little bruised and battered a little, they're a little worse for wear right now yeah, we can identify with that um i would yeah i would agree uh they lost nathan Ivaldi. um he's on my fantasy team that's the only reason i know that uh and they traded for max scherzer uh over before the trade deadline and i don't think he's been amazing for them like he's been very average he wasn't amazing on the mets like scherzer has not been amazing since that first year on the mets and he's at this point, he's still a solid pitcher, but people are kind of trading on the name. You know? I, I would agree. I think the he's name's getting, getting a lot of value right now, especially yeah. for those pitchers. He was old when the Nationals won the World Series. That's why everyone was so impressed. He, he was old then. It's been like four years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Rangers are a team that I'm not as afraid of as I once was. Uh, the Astros, we obviously just proved that we can hang with them for sure. We just beat, swept them in a three-game series. Mm. Uh Tough last game, really down to the wire, but 
you know, that first game, I was never really worried. We were up 2-0 for basically the entire game, and I was never like, oh, they're going to come back because the Astros were not threatening in any way. All three games, we built early leads. And in two of the three, they were big early leads. We were up, I think, at 6-0 at least in both the first and third game. They came back in the third game. We were up, we won the first game 2-0, but you're thinking of the oh, second game. second and third. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that second game, we won 10-2. Third game seven to six. It was a. They ended up coming back, but yeah, you're right. It was. It didn't feel like a close game until the last until little bit they there. Made it close. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we just we proved that we can hang with them, and that's that's a major step because for the last four years, it's kind of been the Astros are the team to beat in the AL West, and now everything everybody seems like they're they've on the been, same level. They've been the team to beat in the AL. That's um, yes, that's and, true. And I actually I want to ask you a question, but before I do it. I still think the Astros are like, I think they're the scariest team in the AL. I think I would rather, I think I'd rather play the Orioles than the Astros. But so, but so here's my question. This is the actual question. Would you rather play in a playoff series the Rangers or the Astros? Because I would rather play the Rangers because they're frauds and they're garbage. But I just I don't want any part of the Astros. I think. It's it's tough to say that I would take the Astros over them, but after having watched their pitching stat, it's tough because they traded for Verlander and we didn't see Verlander in the series. Correct. Uh, and I, I think he's, he's been performing. Well, I think he's been performing a lot better yeah. than Scherzer. Yeah. And in the playoffs, you know, in a in you're facing three starting pitchers. They're going to rotate those three starting starting pitchers. And so in that regard, I think I would take Texas solely because their starting pitching is not as good as Houston's. Uh, Houston's, yeah. Yeah. I just think Houston, too, just has, like, the meanest, I, other than the Braves, just the meanest lineup. They just, I feel like every one of their guys hits, like, 275 and has, like, 15 home runs on the year. Just that's because they play in a tiny-ass ballpark, though. Uh, that's fair. That is fair. Maybe they, that does add to the illusion of grandeur. Like, the reason that it feels like Alex Bregman is good and hits 25 home runs a year is because he hits it 310 feet and it goes over the left field wall in wow. Houston's park. You know, yeah, we were putting up a lot of runs in Houston. Yeah, Dylan Dylan Moore was scoring games, bombing it off the top of that. Oh, what are those called? The Car- the Crawford boxes. Wow, that's great. I I never thought of that. That's a that's a good note. That makes me feel better. Yeah, we play them at T-Mobile. Oh God, our pitchers are holding those boys down. Mm. Mm. Love to hear it. But just you know, until Altuve's six feet in the ground, I'm not sure I'll ever feel safe. You know. Yeah, he did that. That his 2000th hit was really funny when he got thrown out at second base. That was a that was a good one to see. Yeah, love to see it. <laughs> Still batting like 300 though. That guy's a monster. Um, so yeah, I guess it's been an incredible streak. Get, get, kind of give me your thoughts on what on what led them to this point. So, what led them to the, what led them to this point specifically the second uh, eight game win streak. I'm going to just reference some numbers that I heard on the broadcast today, but they were, they've scored seven and a half runs a game mm. over, over the last 10 games. Uh, not, not including today where they scored four runs and ended up losing, but seven and a half runs a game is going to win you a lot of games. Absolutely. Which is indicative of their offense performing to the standard that we, you know, above the standard that anybody thought they would, to be honest. Yes. Julio going on this kind of hot streak has been a crazy, crazy stretch. Tay Oscar's been on fire. Uh, and everybody's kind of pitching in in their own ways. Josh Rojas had a three for four day today. Dominic Canzone and Dylan Moore had two or had a four hit game, four hit game each. Um, one of those Houston games, 
And it's just, it's been spread around so much that everybody's been contributing. It feels like everybody's getting on base when we're playing these, the these big games. Yeah, Kenzone, Moore, um, who's the other guy? Marlo? Marlo's, Marlo's been really good, good too. too. Yeah. Just everybody has been good. Um, I wanted to ask you something. Uh, it escapes me. Sorry. What were you saying? I was, yeah, I was just elaborating on the offense. I think what's been lacking, and something that we talked about last week as well, was the bullpen. The bullpen's been struggling a little bit. They're the reason that we've lost these four games over this 20 game stretch mm. because we've, it's been close, you know, in the, we broke down the Orioles series last week, you know, it was kind of the bullpen that gave up the, the leads or tie game in the end. And you've been expecting the bullpen to be nails. It's where you find that you're missing Paul Seawall that just, you know, can upset, upset us a little bit, but we've but seen a lot of production from those so spots. Good. Yeah. Canzone's yeah. been great. Rojas has been really good. And we have another guy in the minors who we haven't even seen yet. They both like, I wouldn't be surprised if either one or both of them came down to earth a little bit, but they have both been hitting the hell out of the ball. Well, so Rojas gave an interview on 710 recently talking about how he came over and was just like, he approached the Mariners and was very accepting of critiques and, you know, constructive criticism because his swing had been kind of screwy and they obviously adjusted this. And after the first few games he was back, he's been hitting like a monster recently. He, yeah. he has two home runs in, what is it like? 17 games for the Mariners. Mm-hmm. He didn't hit a single home run in 53 games yeah. for the Diamondbacks. That second one was a monster too. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, he's, he's these two guys, sorry, that was my pen clicking for those of you that heard that. Um, Unprofessional. <laughs> just so excited. I just, <laughs> I need to use my hands. John likes to hit the table. I like to click my pen. Yeah, I do like to hit the table. <laughs> um, He's been going off. It's been a great adjustment by him. Canzone yes. has been picking it up as well. Obviously, when you get into a new stadium and new new team culture, it's going to be a hard transition. But they've done a great it's been job. Easy so far. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had a chance last time we were on to talk about Julio's incredible streak. His... No, that okay. happened over the weekend. Okay, we need to talk about this. Yes. Julio Rodriguez, I think it was the most hits in MLB history over a four-game span. It was the most hits, yeah, in MLB history over a four-game span That's ever. insane. The guy, so I, we were joking about this the other day, but the guy that he passed, he was tied with this guy and then passed him. I can't remember his name, but he played on like the 1928 uh, Brooklyn Aces or something. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, um, and he, had, he had 16 hits over a four-game stretch. Yeah. And, you know, that means four hits a game. Julio had a game with five in that four-game stretch, 17 hits. He broke the he broke the MLB record in in all of MLB history. Like, we can't emphasize enough how crazy this is. This is like 200 years of history. Since the game of baseball has been invented mm. and produced professionally. Yes. He has the record. Julio Rodriguez has the record for this. Mickey Mantle never had a better four-game stretch getting on base, just so we're clear. It's a crazy. It's a, he brought his average up from 250 to 280 in in a week. <laughs> that, that is insane. That's the craziest part. Of all you were like Julio needs to hit 270 points. for the Mariners to be good. Yeah. Guess what? He's hitting 280 now. 280. That's incredible. If he hit a couple more home runs, uh, maybe you wouldn't owe me money at the end of the year. But <laughs> shut the fuck up. That's been incredible. Um, yeah, I I'm blown away. And once again, I cannot tell our audience this enough. Just one more reverse jinx we put on the Mariners this season. Because the last time we talked about Julio, we were talking about, like, yeah, he's just kind of been inconsistent this year. And then he has the most consistent four games in the history of organized baseball. Um, I think he's been listening to our podcast. Yeah, well, you know, people are tuned in. 
People are tuned in. People are locked in. They they hear us. They're yeah. listening to us. Yeah, we. Have, I think our listener count is actually exactly equal to the roster of, <laughs> of the of the Seattle Mariners. So maybe it's just the Mariners listening yeah. to us. We're actually just producing this for the Mariners team. Yeah. And Jerry Depoto's been like, "Oh man, these guys are so good. We should <sighs> we should put them in just constantly in the ears of these players." Absolutely. Yeah. Inspiration. Um, yeah. Just the Mariners and Mark Few. <laughs> the perfect number. Um, but yeah, so that's also been a big part of this streak is obviously those four games aside, Julio's been awesome and really consistent throughout the last, you know, 12 games or so. Just a rock star. Yeah. Um, some questions for you to bring up that one has been answered. We talked a little bit over the weekend about what's going to happen with JP when he comes back. He came back, they sent Sam Haggerty down. Sam Haggerty kind of plays the same role as Dylan Moore. Uh, where he can play outfield, he can play infield. And so in that case, I understand because JP, you know, he's he's technically has the best war on the season for the Mariners. He's been the best hitter so yeah. far. Uh, it still feels like he kind of needs to get a little revamped. I don't know if you've watched the last couple of games, but he's been a little little off. A little slow, yeah. Um, which, which can happen. He's been out for two weeks. Uh, what do we think happens when Kelnick comes back? Oh, it's so tough, man. And I, I never would have thought... That just speaks to what an amazing month that it's been, that I cannot look at our starting lineup and find a guy that I want to pull, which is you know, two months ago, it would have been like, give me Julio and take the rest. <laughs> Julio and JP, and I can't look at any of these guys, but Suarez has been awesome. Teoscar has been awesome. Um, and then Kelnick, yeah, I don't know, I guess. Do you want me to give you the answer? It's Mike Ford. Mike Ford has to go. Oh, you're right. I guess there is still Mike Ford. Well, and he's been DHing. You can put Kelnick in. You can still play Canzone. Or you can. What you can do is platoon. Nice as a DH, honestly, Kelnick. You don't have to worry about him wearing himself out. That and especially if he's got what is it a broken foot from the cooler kick. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't have to run as much. He doesn't have to cover ground in the outfield. That's a um, really good point. Maybe kind of a natural fit on this team. He'd be. It'd be a nice DH. The the one concern is you bring in. Another another lefty bat, you don't replace him with a righty or anything like that. Like, we're kind of lefty-heavy in the outfield right now with Canzone, Marlowe, and Kelnick, and Ford, to be honest, if they're, like, all kind of playing the same role on the team, yeah. along with Rojas. Uh, it's, it's tough to say th- those three are going to rotate because what you, what you typically would do is you'd platoon them. You'd have Marlowe, Canzone, Kelnick kind of come in against a righty, but Julio's got to play. Teoscar's got to play. And so where are you going to put those three guys? It's kind of a tough scenario, but this it, you're doing the same thing with Mike Ford. So I think Mike Ford has to go down. Kelnick just has way more upside with the same power potential. Yeah, um, and it's worth noting that you're right. You want to balance on your team between lefties and righties. But statistically speaking, better to be heavy on lefties than righties. There, there are significantly more starting writing, right-handed pitchers than That's very than true, lefties. very true. Um. That's yeah. So I think Mike Ford goes down or gets gets DFA'd. I, I, it only sucks. Guy that I haven't been loving this last month. Yeah, he's it's been kind of an easy choice. Actually, he's been a great like spark. I think for when he first came up, pitchers were kind of like, "What do we do with this guy?" And he just hit like ten home runs over the course of ten games. Yeah. Uh, and then he's striking out like fifty percent of the time now. It's been it's been a really rough month and a half for Mike Ford. Some time in AAA might be good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, it's just the guys that are kind of overperforming, like Kenzone and and uh, Marlowe, you got to give them the chance to like fail. Because like, 
if they keep this up, you just have to keep playing them, you know? Um, what they're giving on offense and on defense, they've all been really solid. Marlowe had an awesome play against Houston. I'm trying he to had a great just defensive series against Houston. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. That, that Altuve out at second base, that was Marlowe. Good call. Um, he had another he had another spot where there was, like, the Crawford boxes extend, but there's also, like, they cut into that, like, corner. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, like, worked around the corner to catch a fly ball that was going to land in there. And that was just really nice by him and by Julio. I'm sure Julio was communicating there. Uh, but a really nice play. And just played really good defense in Houston where it's kind of really tough with the way that that, that wall and outfield is structured. Yeah. Um, so Marlowe's Marlo's been a bright spot, I would say. He's been striking out a lot less than he was we expected him to coming up from the minors. Correct. Um, so just really nice adjustments by him. Canzone, I think he's still pretty pretty green in terms of being in the league. And so giving him all these at-bats has been nothing yeah. but helpful for and him. He's just like such a prototypical, like, balanced MLB player. You yeah. Know? He's just... He's just got one of those builds. And Rojas might be the most surprising of those three. I think he was the lowest lowest end prospect when he came in of those three. I, I wouldn't say lowest end prospect, but he was the least highly performing player. And I think what the Mariners saw was like, hey, we can adjust this guy. We can fix his swing path or whatever he's it was. Been he's he's been, been really good and he's improved. He His average was like 215 when he came over. And he's... Uh, He's now got it up to like 245. Like he's been really good since he came over. That's awesome. Um, okay. Great talking about the hitting. Gluttony of resources. Who'd have thunk it? Please just punch over here. Um, but the pitching is a little bit of the opposite problem. It's actually, if you look at the Mariners pitching and their hitting, other than they've both been excellent recently, they're very interesting inverses where our pitching, it's like we have this monster staff and we knew it was going to be really good. And the Mariners are hitting, it's kind of like, okay, you know, it's so-so. And over the course of the year, the hitting's just gotten better and better and better, including some talented young guys being brought in. While our pitching, we just keep getting hurt, and it's the young guys we're bringing in that are kind of keeping them afloat. And I remember listening to, uh, we were listening to the game the other night against the White Sox, and it was like a White Sox telecast. Yep. <laughs> and it's just funny hearing, like, the biased announcers call these games. But... One guy did say it's like pretty amazing. Like every guy that the Mariners are bringing in, every pitcher they bring up just seems to be awesome. And like, look at the last like 10 guys that we've just kind of like brought in. They've all been fantastic because we've been having guys go down left and right, but just everybody has been amazing, including some of the young guys. But I know there is concern about, you know, how long are we going to stay lucky? Yeah. And that luck obviously recently became uh, came came down on us a little bit, is what I'll say. With Hancock coming down with the uh, shoulder strain. Yes. Um, but even when he was playing, he was really good. He was really good. Yeah. I think I think the Mariners just have a really good pitching process, and that the way that they sense. yeah the way that they approach teaching these guys how to pitch. I, I sent you that MLB Network discussion on the Mariners staff, yeah. and how every guy you know every guy's right handed. It feels like it should give the other teams an advantage because they could just say, okay, we're facing a bunch of right-handed pitchers. Attack them with the left-handed bats. Do whatever it is. But because they all have different arm angles and arm slots, the ball is coming at a different spot from every single player, and it changes where your eyes where your eyes watching the release point. And that's huge. And I'm sure they're doing that with the bullpen as well. Uh, but elaborating on that discussion that you were having, we were, we've been relatively lucky with pitchers coming up. Hancock just got injured. We're limiting Wu's innings. We just signed Luke Weaver. 
How comfortable do we feel about that fifth starter spot for the for the rest of the season? Well, so Hancock should only be out. He's he, he got put on the sixty day IL. He's out for the season. Oh, he's on sixty day. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, um, that happened today. Yeah, I guess for the season, and you know, he's probably not going to play much in the postseason. No, he's not at all. Yeah, so that might be it for him on the year. That's that's too bad. I really like him. I'll be excited to see him next year. Yeah. We should, yeah, we should mention that. Fare thee well. <laughs> I was in Hancock. Really awesome. Made, like, made two games. great starts yeah, and then yeah. made it two innings and was good. And It was a great two innings, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wish uh, nothing but the best for his recovery and yeah. hope, he, hope he comes back stronger. Yeah, see you in the spring. Um, yeah, for the rest of the year, I guess not fantastic. I'm curious how much limiting Wu, how much of that's kind of like a gluttony of resources where if you don't have to play him as much, you know, you don't need to. But maybe if Weaver doesn't pan out, maybe we just see Wu's innings kicked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, if we're not super happy with our fifth starter, then we would be like every other team in the MLB. You know, <laughs> it's really hard to put together five arms you really trust. You know, I I agree with that. I think the fact that we signed Weaver um, is an indication that they're going to try and limit Wu's innings and probably skip him for a few starts. Mm-hmm. They they were there was talks of doing a six man rotation with Hancock and and Wu kind of. Switching off, maybe doing some piggybacking. But not anymore. But I don't think that's that going to happen. Been nice. I would have enjoyed that. It would have been so pleasant. Ah, just like, oh, who, which pitcher that I love am I going to get today? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But see, like I said, you know, give him a chance and see how he plays. And if, if he's not very good, then we'll just have to deal with that one out of every five games. And maybe he'll be, if he's just solid, that'll be fine. Yeah, he he came in today. So George Kirby today went five point two, gave up three runs. Good start. Uh, Luke Weaver came in and pitched two innings, struck out five. So five of the six outs were wow. strikeouts, which is nice. Uh, but it seems like he's kind of getting ramped up. So it might have we might have Wu start for a couple games, and then sure. as Weaver gets going, we have him come in. Absolutely. Um, which and I really like the idea of. Yeah, and if he's playing, you know not as well as we'd like to. It also helps to have one of the better bullpens in baseball. You know, we can we can support him a little bit if we need to. And, you know, we've been taking it real easy on Kirby all year, which is great. But the guy does not pitch past six innings very often at all. Um, so, you know, if we need him and Castillo, Castillo's always time to throw more pitches. If either one of those guys just need to carry a little bit heavier load so the bullpen can, you know, be angled a little bit towards the back of the rotation. Not the end of the world. Yeah, the other side of that is the bullpen has been, I think I brought this up 20 minutes ago, but the bullpen has been struggling recently because of... Yes, it has. I think, I think it's because of overuse, kind of like what happened with Seawald there for a little bit, where sure. he was just getting put in every every game, every other game. Um, and Munoz hasn't been as consistent recently. Mm-hmm. Brash has been pretty good. He's more of a strikeout guy. But I think moving moving forward we need to get more innings out of our starters and i think that's the plan is to go for a woo plus weaver until weaver can go longer woo plus weaver into a late inning game because let's be honest we can't have woo going three innings every every time he starts understood without having bullpen arms to it just doesn't make sense you know you can't have six guys throw in the in a game might as well just have him come out of the bullpen and throw two innings yeah yeah um yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. And just and part of that is this run, they've been pedal to the metal, trying to catch up in the wild card. You know, catching up in the NL West is a bit of a surprise, but 
just trying to get in the hunt. Um, and they're now there, and obviously you want to keep your foot on the pedal and you want to keep building momentum. We're only half, or I guess one game ahead of the Blue Jays, I think, to be you know on the outside looking in again. But um, it does afford you the opportunity, particularly with your pitching staff, to maybe just dial it back a little, you know? Um, yeah. Get that fifth guy in that you don't love. Let him pitch a couple more innings than maybe he needs to be pitching. And, yeah, spread out the bullpen. Help out these starters so they don't have to push it too hard, but maybe, you know, just get up, get them up to six innings a game, and let the bullpen handle the rest. Yeah, if you if you make it to the playoffs, you don't want to be limping in. That's the right. last thing you want. And right. so, to some extent, it might it might be good for the Mariners to sacrifice a game or two Especially over the coming months. Especially against easier competition, you're still going to win most of the games. Oof, we need we didn't talk about this. So yeah, right now, yeah, Blue Jays. We you know we should mention they're right in there too. Um, just because we're ahead of them, I haven't been playing as close attention. But, yeah, Houston, Texas, so close. Ten of our ten – or, sorry, nine all of our nine last games. All ten games. of our last games. Oh, it is ten. Yeah. I think we play Texas three times, Houston four times, Texas three times? Texas three, Houston three, Texas four. Okay. I'm an idiot. So stupid. Um, <laughs> but, goodness gracious, that's our last ten games on the year. Um, I would way rather have some – you know, less than full effort pitching performances against the Oakland Athletics and have the guys ready for that stretch. Um, Because that's going to be just... It's going to be a brutal 10 games. It is. It's going to be a fun 10 games, I hope. I think it's going to be fun. We need to go to one of those games. We should try to go to two. We should try to catch a Rangers and an Astros game. I like that. I know one of those series is in Arlington, but I I do agree we should try and catch... If there are any at At home, we need need to catch one. Yeah. but yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. But also, it's going to be a grind. Like, I would like to... <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, but I would like to be 100% healthy, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, the the end of this season is going to be going to be rough. Going into the playoffs is going to be stressful. Yeah. Uh, but we're here for it. That's that's why we're fans and not players. We're here for the, the love of the game. Right. Yeah, we don't, have to, we don't have to fight through it. Um, we should just take the rest of the month off and get, like, the Savannah Bananas to, like, sub in and play... <laughs> Kate Marlowe brings back his old buddies. <laughs> just, you know, see if they can pull out like two or three games the rest of the month and just rest everybody on the roster. All right. Um, anything else on the Mariners? We've been talking about them for 25 minutes, and I feel like we're at a good stopping point. I think that's, yeah, that's all that needs to be said. It's been great. Um, and goodness gracious, come on, fingers crossed. Let's win you know, eight of these next 10 games, which are very winnable. All I want to say is keep winning series. Keep going two and one. That's all you need to do to keep growing, you know, keep getting above 500. The Rangers and Astros are playing tougher teams than we are right now. Yeah. yeah. Keep winning. Houston's playing Boston another six times, I think, before they're going to be done. Those two are decking it out. Boston, three games back from a wild card right now. So Mm -hmm. they're not out of it. They're trying very hard. Yes, which we need. We need them to take a couple from Houston. Yeah, so it's going to be a really fun stretch of baseball this last month. I know we said we were out on them. We're back in. What, back what do you expect from Sound Up Seattle? We're flip-flopping left and right. Ready to be hurt again. Uh, and with that, let's let's move on. Let's just keep going. I'm, I'm feeling good. Seahawks? Yeah, we don't need a break. Yeah. Buckle in, folks. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll add in a transition here somewhere to give us a little breather, but yeah. or give you guys a breather. We don't need one. No, got to keep their energy in. Um, let's talk about the Seattle Seahawks. 
Two and zero preseason. Oof, love that Super Bowl lock. <laughs> yeah, put your put your money down. Super Bowl contenders right here. Um, you you were talking about Bobo. Has Bobo did Bobo have a good second game? I haven't seen any of the no stats. No clue. No clue. Twitter Twitter listened to the podcast. They're like, yeah, why are we paying attention <laughs> to this guy? And the poor guy's just like, I just want to make a team, please. I'm out here ruining ruining dreams. Um. Yeah, so they won the second preseason game. It wasn't, I, I like we've said last week, preseason games aren't super important for us. We feel like the, Gino played the first quarter. Uh, the main thing was JSN was getting involved and keeping him in the loop. And speaking of, speaking of JSN, uh, broken wrist. He got a broken wrist in that game and uh, is going to need surgery. The Seahawks are saying that they're hoping to have him back by the start of the season. He's going to be out a few weeks. Uh it's tough to believe that with a broken wrist and surgery, he's not going to miss at least one or two weeks yeah. of, the, of the regular season. It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, if they were on in the playoff hunt, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe four weeks, and then, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, it, once again, kind of suffering from success on his part where our, you know, receiving core is so deep, why risk your rookie bringing him back early? It's his hands, the things he uses to catch football. Um, maybe let's be really sure about about the health of the wrist before bringing him back. But, you know, what does that mean for his outlook? We were talking about trying to get him up to speed in the preseason. He's going to miss the rest of the preseason. It's hard to imagine he's just going to step on the field with Geno and, and click right away. But he is a stud, so I don't know. Yeah, start the season off. First four games, we've got Rams... Lions, Panthers, Giants. How worried are you if JSN is missing those four games? Yeah, they they will be favored to win all four of those games. Maybe Detroit would be the only one. I still I think Detroit's going to be really good this year. Detroit's got a lot of hype around it, right? And rightfully so. They were good last year. Yeah, their uh, offense is going to be nice. I think they're a little overhyped, but they're still going to be Seahawks are still going to be favored in all four of those games. Correct. Um, so I'm not that worried, particularly. You know, he's kind of uh, an unknown variable where mm-hmm. maybe we don't know what we're missing yet. Yeah, but... we, ha- we didn't have him last year. Yeah. I, you know, imagine the same team we finished with last year. Exactly, and I feel good about that team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not even horrible timing in terms of, you know, there, those are some tough games. All those teams are, are solid, but uh, none of them break my brain. So Yeah, week five is at Bengals, so that's going to be a big game. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Be good to have him back for that one. John I, just thought of Joe Burrow and just uh, got really excited there. I love. I my feelings towards Joe Burrow are Joe Burrow's feelings towards Kid Cuddy. <laughs> I kind of wish I was from Ohio so he could just form this chain of, and then me and him could be buddies, and then maybe I'd meet Cuddy through him. Um, I also my feelings towards Joe Burrow are also my feelings towards Kid Cuddy. So. <laughs> it's kind of like a love triangle where you know they both love each other and you love both of them. So you're still involved in a way. <laughs> I don't love being a part of that love triangle. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, that is a real tangent on, on Joe Burrow, but uh, that'll be a good game. That'll be a fun game to watch. I, it's going to be good. Start paying us. We should start charging all these viewers 100 bucks a month so that we can go to football games. Yeah. We, we, we should just be able to get media access and, and work back there. You know? That's a really good point. We should get badges. Like, yeah. Don't you know who we are? <laughs> You listen to this podcast? 
And then just start anime. start putting stickers everywhere. It'll be one of those people that just like put stickers of our Spotify. Yes. Just get like hats and like water bottles that say <laughs> that just say sauce on them, just S U S. It's like no, no, it's a brand. <laughs> it's not from Among Us. It's not like. Oh, no, you don't understand. Um. <laughs> but continuing Seahawks discussion. Preseason game next week against the Packers. Are we expecting Gino? It's the last one before the regular season. Are we expecting Gino to play three quarters? What are we expecting? I expect nothing, particularly now with uh, JSN out. Um, JSN, yeah, Njigba. That last name is going to destroy me forever. <laughs> um, I just don't see what the point is. He knows this offense really well. They're not really incorporating a ton of new weapons. I, maybe he'll play a quarter, but I don't think there's any need for him to play. I would expect him to ramp up to like a half just to get okay, a little bit, little, little bit of game speed. Um, I guess, I guess. I mean, it sounds like the Packers are going to start Aaron Rodgers and, or at least play Aaron Rodgers in the last preseason game. So, do you mean Jordan Love? Sorry, yeah, I was thinking of the Jets. The Jets are going to do that, there Aaron Rodgers, but I but immediately he's associate. Also, him. He's on a new team. Yeah, you know? I know. Got to learn the offense. I think, I think Gino's just a guy. We also JSN just broke his wrist, like. Yeah. This is why we don't want to play good players in the preseason. This, yeah. There's a reason for this. Um, so maybe, yeah, I, it's not the end of the world if he does, but I would probably not. I think they're going to take it lightly, especially after what happened with JSN. It's like, yeah. hey, we we tried this. It didn't work. Let's just get yeah. things underway during the season. Is a half of throwing the football to the two guys he threw the football a ton to last year? And at every practice, that's all he does is throw the football to these guys. Correct. Like, Against a secondary that doesn't really care because it's the preseason. Is yeah. that going to be helpful? I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, we're, as you can tell, we're not keen on uh, preseason football. Yeah, and with that being said, screw the preseason. We don't want to bore our listeners with preseason talk. It's stupid. Uh, we wanted to do something a little different. So we wanted to have a conversation about fantasy football. Everybody's favorite. I don't even know if we've just... Are we in a fantasy league right now? Or do you want to just... I mean, we're still going to talk about it, but are you in a fantasy league? I'm in two fantasy leagues. God, this man is abandoning me. Okay, but so neither one of them is mine. They're both both like my brothers. You're in like a dynasty league or whatever, right? Yeah, that's one, and then the other is his as well. But I'm thinking about about just throwing together a 10-man. I think I might have enough people to get... If anything, we've got got listeners that would be willing to hop on. That's true. Hey, send us your emails. Yeah, Yeah, you could... There are enough. There are enough spots. You guys could be involved in the Sound Up Seattle Fantasy Football League. Um, yeah, send me your email. That's a fun idea. Yeah, I like that. Um, but anyway, what we wanted to talk about was where do Seattle Seahawks fit in to like their respective fantasy football group rankings, and we wanted to kind of talk about it in a fun way where we will do a fantasy draft going back and forth, picking Seahawks that we would want on our fantasy football teams. And then, you know, just a little talk about kind of where they reside in their group so that all our fans can avoid the worst thing you can do in fantasy football, which is draft your team's guys higher than you should be drafting them because you want to have them on your team. Don't do it. It's how teams lose every single year. Yep. Um, so we will tell you where to get them so that you can still get them. I like that. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, I. I, I offer it to you. Do you want it, or do you want to give it to me? Uh, I'll take first pick. We'll do snake. So I'll take one, you get two, and then I'll take two, and we'll just kind of go back and forth. No, no, no. We'll just go back and forth. There's okay. just two of us. Okay. Uh, this also will not be super long. There's only so many relevant fantasy players on the Yeah, list. I feel like we'll go through maybe six picks. Yeah. 
Uh, first pick for me, I'm, you have to go DK Metcalf. I would agree. Yeah. He's, he's the biggest touchdown threat in terms of the Seahawks, especially deep threats. He's, you know, in terms of route running, he just runs, and Gino tries to get it to him in the deep ball. Gino's a great deep ball thrower. Like 6'6", six, six and super athletic. Yeah, he can, he can catch, it on, catch it off a screen and is fast enough if they find the right plays for him to just generate open space. He can make it past anybody if he gets by or he gets that kind of spacing. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Lockett is more of a catch and or like a catch and go down kind of receiver. Correct. Who's great in the red zone, yeah. but DK is better for the, the for fantasy. He's so fast and he's not like fun to get down. He's a really physical receiver. You always see him getting in little scraps with whatever corners on him, and I kind of love that about yeah. if that, if he's going to be that guy, if he's going to be the guy that's going to body you and then blow past you. Yeah, get a little physical, you know. Let let him know where your space is. Um, yeah, I think he's definitely probably the first pick on this team. Where do you think he deserves to reside within like receivers? You know, I think is, you is have he like a top ten fantasy receiver. That's tough. You have that upper echelon of like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup. Uh, those three guys. Those, those three. three guys, and then like a and then thick it's like line, and then a lot of other good receivers. Yeah, and so with that. I think DK would fall like a, at the bottom of that second tier is what I would say. I was going to say in the next tier down, but no, I think at the I bottom of I, that second tier. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, I think that second tier drops about somewhere around number 10. Yeah. I don't think he's number seven, but I don't think he's like 15. I think he's, I think he's right around 10. Um, and what does that mean in terms of the draft? That means you could probably get him in the third round maybe maybe late second depending on how things are going yeah depending on if people are taking a bunch of receivers yeah kind of yeah he's one of those guys i in fantasy football one of my big strategies is always have one stud running back and one stud receiver and then you can work from there but don't don't be the guy that just finds yourself putting together waiver wire receivers it's so important to have like a you know wr1 you want that guy and dk at a pretty reasonable price is like a late second, early third round pick um, can give you that. So, yeah, I would try to pair him with a good running back. Yeah. little help from John. Unless you're in our draft, then stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> we know all John's secrets, everybody in the draft. <laughs> yes. Um, that's great. Um, yeah, so I'll take DK. Yeah. You're up next. Number two is tough. I could really go three ways. But I think I'm going to go Kenneth Walker. Um, I like that. Running back is the most important position in fantasy football in terms of, you know, typically there's only one good one per team, if that. You know, so typically something like 25 usable backs in a year, and there are like 60 receivers, you know. It's so much easier. You can be a second receiver on a team and still be really effective. Running back, it just doesn't work that way. So really important to get your hands on a good running back. Kenneth Walker... When he plays, it's a stud. He's obviously got some problems with injuries, but when he plays, he is a fantasy monster. Um, he was really good last year. Yeah, good good at finishing, uh, getting touchdowns in the in the red zone. Correct. Um, he's not like like we've said about DK. He's not that upper echelon of like an Austin Eckler. No, no, um, no, no. Yeah, any anything like that, like a Christian McCaffrey. He's not there. He's going to be probably at two tiers below them. I think. I think that's exactly right. I think he's like a tier three guy he's probably he's probably you know a pretty middling running back two rb2 um but he's solid and dependable when he's playing he's a dependable start 
Um, I would never be surprised to see him in the lineup as long as there wasn't an O next to his name. Um, but yeah, he's really good. Yeah, good speed. Um, had a great rookie season last year. Had a great rookie season. So yeah, could go lock it. Old, old reliable. You know what you're getting, getting from every week. And the Geno discussion, when we have it, will be interesting. But I think in terms of value, he slots in at number two. Yeah. Are you... Are you trying to bait me into getting just all the receivers today? I hope you do, because I want to talk about Geno. So take him if you want. Not well, like, I, do you disagree? Do you think that's a reasonable spot to put Kenneth Walker? It's tough, because in, in net fantasy points, technically it's probably going to be Geno and Tyler Lockett above him. But yes. in terms of value, like Tyler Lockett's going to be that Tier 4, Tier 5 receiver. I guarantee you Kenneth Walker will be drafted before Tyler Lockett in most fantasy football leagues. It's a big guarantee. Guarantee. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to follow that with an interesting interesting pick. I am going to take the Seahawks defense oh, as the third pick. That is, <laughs> that is wild. And, and I've got some issues with it, but why don't you go ahead? Well, I, so I think what it is is you, you're thinking, okay, Kenneth Walker's a tier three running back. Where does the Seahawks defense rank in terms of the tiers of defense? Like they're not going to be up taken in that you know top ten rounds. They're going to be taken in the thirteenth round, but they're going to be the best, not the best, but like a top ten defense. You're confident about that? Yeah, I'm very confident about that. They at least, at least a top ten defense. I'm gonna, I'm going to say that right now. At least a top ten defense. Do you know what they finished last year? No. Neither do I. But I would be, I would be pretty impressed if it was in the top twenty. We could look it up. I, I can I can look it up while while we yeah, talk about the next uh, pick. Uh, yeah, we can. So maybe you're right, and I you know if, if that's the case, I appreciate your cleverness in terms of them being a higher ended defense than anybody else we were going to name. But strictly from a fantasy perspective, you know, defenses are so week to week. It's way more about. I'll, I'll typically I like to have one really good defense in my on my team if I can get it. I'll. I'll go a round or two early. I'll go in like the 14th round or something to try and get uh, a really solid defense. But what I normally do is I'll just stream defenses week to week. You know, pick guys up off the waiver wire based on who they're playing. Because with defenses, it's so much more important to be playing a bad offense than it is to like be a good defense playing a good offense. Because guess what? Offense wins. You can slow it down, but offenses win. So. So I'm we like like we said early on we're taking people based on where we think they fall in the tiers of their own position. Sure, sure. Seahawks in 2022 had the 10th best DVOA. They were the number 10. Good for them. Good. That surprises me. DVOA is you know the all-around defensive stat for those yes. of you that are curious. I was I was unimpressed with their defense last year. Maybe and I've that's been the thing we've been yeah we've been spoiled. Um, they I'm had a good draft. They look up the, the 2023 projections real quick. Yeah. And I will let you know those values. Yeah. They got the cornerback. Oh, where did they get the cornerback out of? Uh, Illinois. Illinois. Devin Witherspoon, right? Witherspoon. That's right. Thank you. Witherspoon's a stud. Obviously, love to see that secondary be getting some love. Um, it's been struggling in recent years. But, uh, you know, I respect the pick. I respect the pick. Love to, love to see the Hawks defense get, uh, <laughs> Some had, to, had to give it some love, and I really just didn't want to pick Tyler Lockett as my second pick. Yes, which is why I am going to pick with the fourth pick, um, Geno Smith. Um, because my only concern with Lockett, it, to actually validate this, is like 
Lockett is just getting a little older. He's also a guy that's always relied on speed to a large degree. His catching and his route running has gotten a lot sharper in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is still kind of a, a speed guy first. So as he gets older, I just, I worry. He's a smaller guy. Um, any year could be the year he starts to slow down. Um, but also, Gino is just... Gino is kind of what Derek Carr was there for a couple years in Oakland in terms of fantasy production. Yep. Where he is, like, rock solid. Like, you can count on your, like, 15 to 22 fantasy points a game. Um, His ceiling isn't much higher than that. He doesn't run enough. um, And they don't throw enough for him to be any higher. Um, But you just know exactly what you're going to get. He doesn't turn it over a lot. You know, he'll have a scramble every now and then. Um, he's just a really solid fantasy quarterback. Now, there are a lot of good quarterbacks in fantasy football this year for those people that are into it. If you're playing in a one QB league, Gino will probably be like near the bottom of the quarterbacks taken. Um, but he will, he should be taken. Um, I probably project him as a top, certainly top 15 quarterback. Yeah, he's one of the upper half quarterbacks. Correct. But yeah, the top ten is pretty pretty strong, pretty hard to break into. Um, so it it actually is probably pretty close between him and Lockett in terms of where they fall within their respective groups. Um, but once again, I just think there are so many good receivers. Um, I would rather have Geno and then something else than Lockett. I I, I get that. I think. It's... Real quick, did you ever see where their defense is projected? Uh, there's a there's a bunch of numbers. The current betting odds have their defense projected as the seventh best defense. Okay, that's really good. Yeah, um, we're also going to play in a pretty bad division. Yeah, which I think is where you get that value. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gino, it's tough because his he doesn't work well in the red zone. I think is the problem. It's not his best area. It's not his best area, and so when you get to the red zone. You give it to Kenneth Walker. Correct. He scores a lot they of points. A lot in the red zone. Uh, he gets a lot of his value and points from throwing deep balls to DK and Tyler Lockett. And when they score a touchdown on those deep balls, it looks amazing and really helps pad his stats. But when it doesn't work, they're in the they're within thirty yards, and he can't really work with that as well as you Not would as like. Effective. Obviously, yeah. they have scored in the red zone. Yeah, but um, you know what I'm saying. It's it's ab- abbreviation for. He's better as opposed to being like a Joe Burrow type. Who's yeah, like, that's where Who's, the man. He works in like the checkdown area. That's and, when he puts the overalls on. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot about Joe Burrow and overalls. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, he, Gino is my pick, and I'm I'm forcing you to. You can try to avoid yeah, it. If you no, want. I I have to take Tyler Lockett here. Uh, the reason he comes in at number five for us, and I think it's we've said this, you know. 16 times by this point it's tough to throw the ball to Tyler Lockett he is the number one receiver when you go to the red zone or when you get to the red zone correct yeah Gino trusts him yeah JSN will take over some of that responsibility and so he'll fall just a little bit in terms of fantasy value I would expect yeah but so much of that zone too is also about just like quarterback receiver like trust and like understanding he's got great feet Gino knows where to put the ball he's got great hands and yeah they, they have an understanding of where each other are um which is why they're so great in that zone but yeah, just getting a little older, but still really solid. Still, still really, really good. Solid. Still, I would call him like a tier five receiver, I'd, tier four. Yeah, I'd say tier four. I'd say yeah. tier four. Um, 
And once again, there are a lot of great receivers. So I like how we're just guys. like throwing these tiers out. Like we have a list. Like we're, is, <laughs> yeah, I, we're good at estimating. I think we've been nailing these tiers. I think if we broke all the receivers down, we would find we're, how to lock it squarely into. We're them. literally sitting here. Just I'm looking at the recording that is happening on my computer. I'm I'm just making up this <laughs> thing. <laughs> are you saying these names right? Um, no, I think that's especially when tier one is like literally occupied by four guys. So yeah. we have like that kind of top-end talent, I think Tier 4 is appropriate. Yeah. Um, so, you get the last pick. Yeah, Who are you picking? I actually, I, we were thinking about it. I actually think you reached. I think you reached to get Lockett. I think JSN is the better and fantasy pick. Because once again, he will not play in as many games as Lockett, more than likely. Um, the other side of that is Gino doesn't have him figured out as well. Not at all. So his first couple games probably won't even be very good. Um but there are so many good receivers that JSN has, like, potential. What he did at Ohio State, not this last year, but the year before, was one of the best wide receiver seasons, like, ever. Like, he was smoking Chris Olave and, uh, oh, who's the guy on the Jets? Um, the wide receiver. The wide receiver? The Jets, like, really studly. Garrett Wilson. Ah. Um and he, JSN, was the best receiver on that Ohio State team. He was better than both of those guys, and they were both monsters last year in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year for Ohio State, he got hurt, and when he came back, he wasn't quite the same. Um, if he is that guy, he has the potential to be like a top 15 NFL wide receiver. Um, and I think, obviously, Lockett is the safer pick. And if you need a guy to play every single game, you're going to want to take Lockett. But by the end of this season, JSN has a ceiling that is higher than Lockett's. And I'm all about the playoffs, baby. So got to draft those guys based on high potential. I, I like that discussion of he's got a higher ceiling, especially towards the end of the season, as a long as he stays. lower floor. Yeah. As long as he stays, uh, stays healthy. Yes. I would agree. Yeah. If, Ty- if Tyler Lockett is like a two-story house built on like bedrock... Uh, JSN Here we go like, getting into our engineering degrees. <laughs> JSN is like the Empire State Building built on top of like marbles, you know? <laughs> so. Just going to turn into the Leaning Tower of Pizza anytime now. <laughs> but it sure will be tall. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about the kicker at all? I feel like the kicker actually has some, some good value for the Seahawks. So... I just got to be honest, I could not refer to him as anything other than the kicker. I, I do not know the Seahawks kicker's name. Is it? Uh, it's Myers, right? Oh, do they still have? It's not Jacoby Myers. That's what I remember. Let no, me... no, Jacoby Myers is a wide receiver on the on the Patriots. Uh, let, oh, we can also mention Will Disley and Noah Fant. Oh, tight ends. Yeah, we've got decent tight ends, but nobody that's yes. super, super high value. Fant is a higher ceiling guy, but he's been dealing with injuries. Yeah, Disley Jason is... Myers. Sorry, just Jason had to say Myers. it. Um, yeah, Disley is solid, but won't blow anybody out of the water. You know, they're both playable tight ends. You know, if they're playing, either one of those guys is okay, but uh, nothing special. Tight ends are a mess. Get Kelsey if you can, for the love of yeah, God. Yeah, you have two, like, you have Kelsey, and then even Kittle gets injured six times a year. So. It's just Kelsey. Just yeah, it's get, just Kelsey. If you can get Kelsey, for the love of God. Um, yeah, sorry. So tell, talk to me about Jason Myers. Uh, he's, I would just call him like Mr. Consistent. Like he's great from 45 and and closer. Uh, once you get past that range, it's a little tougher. So I think 
he's not going to be the best kicker by any means of the season. Like I think, but yeah, playable somebody who will get drafted in your fantasy league. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's everyone worth mentioning. Um, do you know who our backup running back is? If, uh, if Kenneth were to go down, I think we have two rookies. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Charbonnet and DJ Dallas. It looks like the next. Oh, DJ Dallas is, I guess. Yeah. He's our RB three. Um, they're fine. He's, he might have some value because he's a, kick returner as well that um, also speaks to kenneth walker's value is we don't have somebody really talented behind him there are a lot of situations in the nfl where talented running backs have to share the ball and it takes away from both of them kenneth walker does not necessarily have that backfield mate that's going to be taking you know 10 carries a game so mm-hmm. he, um, they don't have like a third down guy that's there to get two yards exactly. you know it's kenneth walker and, and kenneth touchdowns. walker only yeah yeah um a lot of those situations in the nfl so be nice to avoid that. Know you're going to own the backfield until he gets hurt. Until he gets hurt. There, she, there goes John knocking on the table again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's it. I think that wraps up the draft. Yeah, Any last I like thoughts that. On, on the Hawks. No, and we've already been talking for 50 minutes, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna try and get through this in under an hour, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's let's finish up. Let's talk a little U Dub uh, A D. Disaster. USC. USC. <laughs> how many, yeah, how many, how many, how many acronyms can we put together? Uh, OMG. <laughs> the UW athletic director, Jen Cohen, has been hired by USC. Mm. That was announced on Monday uh, by USC, which I thought was interesting that Jen Cohen didn't really say anything about it. It just kind of happened. <laughs> they, they just grabbed her. She didn't, yeah, she didn't volunteer. They just, they just put her name on the tweet. And they, <laughs> they just said, we have her. She's actually being kidnapped um yeah it's i just want to say that it's it's nice of usc you know in in kind of in memoriam of the pac-12 we thought we were losing them forever but before walking out the door they turned around one last time and really fucked you (laughs) classic usc just gave the middle finger as they walked out yeah yes indeed um just a really kind of interesting move. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about what an athletic director does. Why is this important? We, you know, we don't hear this. We don't hear Jen Cohen's name much unless bad things are happening. Mm. Uh, typically, an athletic director is in charge of hiring coaches and is the kind of lead contact for planning schedules, or, or not lead contact, but like when the schedule gets announced, it goes through them. Yeah, yeah, the all that kind of stuff. There, they're kind of like the the main conduit between a college and their sports programs is the AD. Um, So a big role, an important role. Yeah. And Cohen has been at UW for, I think, like 24 years. Mm. Um, To be fair, we haven't always been the happiest with the coaches coming through. Yeah. She started in 2016 as as the AD and has been good since then. Um, to my knowledge and obviously it's a lot more than coaches there's a lot of responsibilities yeah but was part of the hiring Mike Hopkins getting rid of Lorenzo Romar that was good um, really good honestly really good for the program I think when she started that was kind of (laughs) when she started a lot of people were not happy with the way that Romar was coaching and getting rid of him was nice signing was hard he was a bit of an institution yeah well and you know everybody loved him which spoke to just like the fans didn't love the way that he coached, but the people at UW and like the players and everybody would really just like appreciated him as a guy. Uh, and to see Mike Hopkins be really good for the first couple of years was just like 
great to see the program turn over into somebody who was a good coach. And then things have kind of tumbled recently because of their recruiting capabilities. But has anybody ever had like a better firing from a major D1 sport, D1 program than uh, Lorenzo Romar? The guy who went from coaching college in college basketball at UW, which is like a great job, a big job. He's like, oh, can't hack it at D1 anymore. Gonna go coach, I guess still D1, but at Pepperdine. I would, I would give up my right arm to go coach college basketball at the most beautiful college <laughs> in possibly the world. Pepperdine is gorgeous, so I think uh, Lorenzo's doing okay. Yeah, he should be. He should be doing plenty fine. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, she's been involved with a lot of big changes, particularly with the college basketball. Yeah, well, that and Kaylin DeBoer, the the current UW football coach was great his first year he, or his first year they went 11 and 2 and they're set to be the number 10 team in the nation right now mm-hmm. it's tough to say that like she's leaving the the program at a bad time like it, everything's turning around for UW that and it's like yeah you know there's the other thing going on too where they're like yeah. moving out of the Pac-12 well and she approved that she spoke a lot about like the benefits that that would have for UW correct and then is leaving it's and so I guess what you know what should probably be said is that USC is probably the better job. She's going to get paid double the money. Correct, and uh, and just in terms of like national attention and positions to advance to even potentially make it to you know one of those true top end schools. USC, believe it or not, in Central California, <laughs> um, has a lot of opportunity you know to move up. So it's not necessarily like a she's not taking a worse job. Um, but it's just so fascinating with the timing because this is kind of this like big new adventure for the school and she's jumping ship to go go on like the exact same adventure into a different conference with another school. It's just kind of wacky and so packed well. It's it's like when you put a boat in the water and just like like a little like a little tiny raft. Yeah. And you're just like, go, be free. And she just like goes and hops on a regular boat and just like goes another way. Yeah, but it's like wait, wait, what? <laughs> We were already doing this. That That's what makes it so interesting, too, is, like, this is a big leap. Because, yeah, like I said, USC is a better job. And, it, you know, it's, it has a high floor because it's in L.A. It's way more volatile. Way more volatile. They're, they're going into a really tough conference. Like, if they sink to the bottom, which is not they, – they won't be the worst. But if they're not very good, that program could be really hurt. Yeah. Particularly in terms of college football, I think – just in general, the UW football team is way more of like a guaranteed thing than anything USC has to offer. Yeah, USC College basketball might be really good. Football is always decent, but not top ten. Yeah, USC has a great quarterback right now, and nothing really down the pipe. Like, yeah, he's going to be gone next year. She's not getting any credit for what they do this year. Yeah, so it's it's just a weird time. Maybe maybe she's thinking of like. It, it would just, it's so weird because, like, if she's thinking of bringing in a lot of her UW staff, why? Can not just stay Yeah. <laughs> I, the money, there is still the money. If there's, I was offered millions more somewhere else, I would probably do it. If it was in Los Angeles, too. I don't know. There's there's the money, but why why do that and then just, like, leave the school? Like, you, you just had UW leave, like, the pact. We, did, we, just, we had a whole podcast on this yeah. topic. It's all. It also. It, it's kind of just bad optics to be like, "Hey guys, no, let me guide you on this journey into a new conference. This big, big thing that's about to go down." She just broke the Pac-12 and dipped. <laughs> <laughs> dipped on another shard of the Pac-12. Like at least go to like 
you know. Go to Wazoo. Providence or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go to Wazoo. <laughs> uh, that would be funny. Um, anyway, that's, you know, we're, we're totally speculating. I, you know, she had her reasons, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure you know it's. I'm sure it's going to be great for her. For she's making double the money for two years. It's yes. going to be great. She'll be all right. Living in LA, she's going to become friends with Bronny. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> um, but maybe that's why she's doing it. Just get a hang with LeBron. Yeah, LeBron will be very involved. LeBron will be co-athletic director. <laughs> she thinks she has, she has a say that LeBron could uh, help coach USC when he retires pretty soon. That would be be pretty sick. That'd I, be that'd be a crazy I'd hire. Watch more USC basketball. I'm going to be honest. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's an hour. That's probably probably any last last thoughts on the day eighty. I guess also we need one. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't know how swiftly this is happening. I mean, USC just announced it, so it sounds like it's going to be right now. They're basically underway. It's not like the athletic director ever stops doing their job. Yeah, so she would just transition right away. Uh, so yeah, UW's looking for an athletic director. Uh, John and I are both going to apply and we'll see who gets the job. <laughs> We're both going to write scathing <laughs> reviews of the other to try to lift ourselves up. Get really into that cutthroat mentality of uh, college college sports. Um, did you want to talk for 30 seconds about your boy who uh, is not going to be playing for Gonzaga anymore? Uh, that's a good call. Um, so we were talking on the last episode just about how deep this Gonzaga team is. Crazy deep. So many talented players. How are they all going to get playing time? Um, and unfortunately, that load has been lightened a little bit. Caden Perry, um, who is either a redshirt freshman or a sophomore, um, has retired from basketball. Um, he's been dealing with injuries the last two years now. He's like a 6'8", freak athlete, bounce out of the gym guy, high motor, by everyone's account, a really, really good guy. Um, and has just been fighting these injuries for a couple of years, and I think has just decided that you know he's had enough so he's staying at gonzaga he's going to get his degree there um which i think is great um too bad that you know the team will miss him but we also have kind of a glut of resources so um in terms of how it will hurt the team it might not hurt as much as it would have other years um i am really bummed we never really got to see him play at gonzaga this is his second year with the team and and he was basically hurt all of last year so uh yeah, can, you know, congrats to Caden. You know, he's making a choice for himself. And, yeah, you can't be upset at a guy uh, for He's staying to get his degree. We'll love that. that. We'd love to have him on campus. Um, but, you know, kind of sad and, you know, a bummer for the team that Caden Perry's retired. We'd love to have him on the pod as well. I'm sure Dude, he'd... We, we will pull up a third chair. Caden motherfucking <laughs> Perry wants to join our podcast. Are you kidding me? We'd have to build him a stand for his mic, though, I think. A little too tall. You might get the Lonzo Ball treatment from Stephen A. Smith and just be like, yeah, he can't sit down now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stephen A. What a savage thing to do. Lonzo's been battling injuries for years. What the fuck, Stephen A.? Yeah. <laughs> That's the guy you're going to go after? It's so random. Um, that was funny. Um, all right. Well, I think that's good. Uh, Deal. Thanks, everyone, for, for tuning in. And I'm going to go ahead and let Tyler give the outro because he's so good at it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up a little bit. For John Kerry, I'm Tyler Cartwright. This is Sound Up Seattle. If you're listening to this, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Apple Podcasts. Um, we can also be found on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. Uh, you can find me, Tyler, at Tycart50 everywhere that's important. Uh, also, you can find our email, uh, SoundUpSeattle at gmail.com. 
John uh, has moved on to Halo Reach. Is that what you're on right now? ODST, baby. Grind it. <laughs> we're just going to give you weekly video game updates for John. That's kind of where we're at right now. Still playing video games. <laughs> Uh, I almost won trivia tonight, so that was a big that was a big step for me. Only because I wasn't there. Yeah, you're. You just dissed yourself. Is that what you just? Did? <laughs> oh, whatever. Um, but yeah, we hope you have a good uh, good Thursday. Have a good weekend, and uh, let's go Mariners, baby. Go Ebs.